Welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon. Today, I am very excited to have with me a man whose name you may have heard before, and if not, you're going to learn a little bit about him today, David Theus. First of all, David, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, tell us a little bit about you and, and who you are and what, what do you do? Well, thanks, Josh, very much. You and I have been running in similar circles now for, I guess, over a year. And we've, we've had this conversation about getting together and doing this. And uh, thank you very much for the, for the opportunity to come out and tell my story. Yeah, man. Glad so to my have name you. is David Theus, like Josh said. And, and you've heard maybe sometimes I've said Theus, like the U.S. Um, <laughs> so I'm a, a, this is always a funny part of the podcast, too. To, you know, it reminds me of the movie The Jerk. If anyone knows what we're talking about, that was Steve Martin. Yeah. In today's PC world, I won't go into the details, but if you know the jerk, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yep. But anyway, uh, my name is David Theus. I'm originally from Orlando, Florida, and I like to tell people before Disney. <laughs> so I'm 57 years old and was born and raised in Orlando. And I, I moved to Northeast Florida, a graduate from University of Central Florida. And I moved to Northeast Florida probably about 1990, and I was a furniture rep, office furniture, contract office furniture rep. And lived in Avondale, Riverside Avondale area, and loved that part of the town. And I know Jacksonville has always been a, a favorite part of Florida for me because it reminded me of Orlando before Disney and in the small town that it was. And everybody kind of knew each other. So I started off my, my Northeast Florida roots in Jacksonville. And as a single person, worked there for about 15 years and then met my wife and got married in 2001. And basically started my journey moving around Northeast Florida, spent some time out at the beach in Ponte Vedra area. We built a home out that way and then did well and moved, took, took some property proceeds and moved out to Baker County of all things and bought some oh, wow. dirt. Thought I was going to be a farmer and punch cows for a while Yeah, and didn't realize that was Baker County is a great place. It, it, once again, it reminded me a little bit of Orlando where everybody kind of knows each other. But again, if you know anything about Baker County, it's got its, um, uniqueness i'll say to it and we and we love it i thought we've got a daughter that lives there with, with our grandchildren and then we moved back into clay county basically uh i'm kind of paraphrasing our journey here but we made it back to clay county about um seven or eight years ago and our youngest daughter uh thunderbolt elementary green cove springs junior high and fleming island high school and so uh my second career was financial services i was a not an American college financial advisor. The, the official term is a registered rep. But basically, I, I tell people I was in an advisory role, and all of my clients were small business owners, kind of like myself. It's just, it's just who I know to talk to are business owners. And so I probably, in the 13 years I did that, sat across the table from about 1,700 business owners during that time frame, whether they were prospects or clients. Not all of them were clients. But you'll hear me talk about numbers quite a bit. And because I'm a finance guy, numbers are important to me. So I track that kind of information. But anyway, I did that for about 13 years. And one day, my wife, on a Saturday morning, came to me and said, you know, you don't. Sarah, our youngest daughter, was a junior in high school at the time. And she was getting ready to graduate. And, and Sheila, my wife, informed me that, you know, you, you don't know her as well as you think you should. And maybe you should come home and figure out a way to get to know her before she graduates and we become empty nesters. And once again, because I work so much and not knowing my oldest daughter in that time frame of her life, maybe I should change things. And so I did. I went to my, 
my principal at the, um, at the office and said, uh, I'm done. I want to walk away. And so I got out from under the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is a highly compliant piece of the business. Right. And I didn't even sell my book. I just, I, I didn't have a lot of that business managing money, maybe about $15 million, which is not a lot in today's world. Right. But I kept some of the life insurance business I did, which was a lot for the small business owners. And I came home. And so my daughter, Sarah, played golf for Fleming Island for four years. So she and I played a lot of golf together. And then uh, she talked me into football coaching. I, I did a little coaching out in Baker County for the Baker County Wildcats. And she loved coming on the football field after the games. And so she said, would you do that again for Fleming Island? So I said, sure. And I met Coach Springs. Turns out he's a Baker County product, if you don't know that. And so we hit it off, and I became an offensive line tackle whisperer was the joke. But anyway, offensive line coach. I did that volunteering in the afternoons between uh, Sarah and I playing golf. And then I needed to do something during the day, basically. So I started a small networking group, for lack of a better term. And somehow along the way, it became the name Promote Clay. And so I don't want to get in too far down the road. And we've got some of a, a journey that you and I are following today, Josh. But that's how we got to where we are today is somewhat uh, I needed something to do during the day. And I wanted to share with potential clients how I found success in building professional, intentional working relationships with my clients. And that was the theme, but that's how we got to Clay County. And that's, that's a little bit about who I am, basically. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. You and I, like you said, we've run in the same, uh, you know, political circles, I guess, for a while now, seeing you in a lot of different meetings for different organizations and events going on and, and had the, the chance to talk to you. And you're definitely, you know, one of the people who can actually hold a conversation, right? You get in a lot of these circles and a lot of nice folks, but not, not all of them are super talkative or, you know, you just sort of struggle to, to have conversations with some of them, but you are not uh, one of those guys. And I think a lot of people right now are listening to you and saying, David Diaz, I've heard that name somewhere. Um, and I think most people probably recognize your name outside of your, your business endeavors from uh, your run for Congress last year. You were one of uh, the candidates in a crowded Republican field for the seat that Kat Kamak eventually won. Um, you know, so I think people, they're probably putting two and two together, but it's, it's definitely interesting to hear you were sort of a transplant like me. My story is a little bit different. When I was in high school, my parents moved to the Clay County area and I would end up going to Middleburg High School. And now my daughter is, is here, uh, you know, going through the Clay County school system as well. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm originally from Tampa, so, you know, we're a little bit similar and that's what I think it makes uh, your story very interesting to me because it's sort of, it's not exactly the same, but we're both from Florida, but not from here. And we came here and it ended up being a place that we want to, uh, you know, be a part of and, and, you know, help thrive. And that's really what the Clay County Beacon is about, right? Getting information out there and you're even more sure. pointed, you know, with the small businesses uh, trying to help small businesses grow and be successful and, and, and highlight some of what they do. But as far as your run for Congress goes, how did you get roped into that? Like, that's what it's <laughs> because you seem you don't seem uh, and this is going to sound like a, it's not a compliment, but it's actually a compliment. You don't seem like you are um, politician -y enough to, to actually want to be in government. Right. Like you seem like you're genuine and nice and normal. And a lot of politicians aren't. And I'm just curious to know, like, how did you go from uh, promoting Clay County and small businesses and the work that you do to end up, you know, vying for a congressional seat? <laughs> Well, two things you said I can hold a conversation and the number one thing in sales or any business opportunity is if you can get your client or your prospect talking about themselves then you're you're 90 percent at home so right. thank yep. you I, I think that's a compliment thank you very much um 
Okay, so that's a great question, by the way. And uh, the answer is, <laughs> it, on the campaign trail, as Kat Kamek was said, we'll see you out on the trail. Um, I got more than not. I'd say there were 10 of us, in case you don't remember that race, 10 Republicans. Yeah. Um, f- fewer conservatives, shall I say. Right. And along the race, uh, each person from each candidacy came to me whether it was the candidate themselves or highly ranking representatives in their organization and said, Mr. Theus, you're the nicest candidate we've ever met before. You're the <laughs> nicest guy on the, on the field. And I would come home and tell my wife, I'd say, Sheila, this is what they're telling me. And she'd look at Sheila's my kind of suspecting. She's my, um, my jaded, right. you know, looking at everything very cynically. And she said, well, that's not a compliment, Dave. They're, they're, they're setting you up because they think you're weak, you know? And so it, it is a dog eat dog world in the political world. And, I, so let me back up. Let me get to how, how this thing started, and then we'll maybe address some of that. So, again, my, I, I don't want to talk too much about Sheila because she'll get me in trouble. <laughs> but she's a very private person, my wife. Right. And she, she knows very well firsthand what it means to be in the political world and, and what it does to a family. We've watched it you know, on the news, and anyone can tell you that if you're going to throw your hat in the ring to do that, you're exposing yourself to all kinds of trouble and you better not have any skeletons in the closet because they're going to find a way to come out. And so right. to, to live with a woman who's very private by nature to say that, Hey, by the way, I'm going to run for office is like, you might as well just go ahead and commit Harry Carey or something else with your, with your life. So the bottom line is December 11th, we were out at dinner one night and um, we were celebrating a life, a life uh, celebration. And I wanted to really take some time to make that dinner special for Sheila and uh, so we got to dinner and she, she had kind of landed a new job within a job that she does. And, and I really wanted to talk about that and, and, you know, build her up and make sure she was having a good night. And so she came to me that night and said, I don't want to talk about that. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to talk about? She said, well, have you heard the news about Mr. Yoho, Dr. Yoho, if you will, right. uh, former Congressman Yoho. And he's, he had announced on December 8th that he was going to hold to his word and maintain his self-term, if you will, self-term limit of eight years. And he had announced formally that he was not going to seek re-election. That was December 8th that he did that. And December 11th, we were sitting down for dinner. And I said, yeah, of course, I've, I've seen the news. I, I watch this stuff. And she goes, well, I want to talk about that because I want you to, to think about maybe getting in the race. <laughs> so after I just told you about her being a private person, my, my next response was, what would you like for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, you know, she tells me I can't blame her for everything. I I never woke up one day and said, Hey, I'm going to be a Congressman. You're right. I'm not a, in fact, some of my closest friends that I shared the information with that I asked them to start praying about it. Um, that this decision was pretty big and, and they would say, you know, I never knew you to be a very political Dave. Well, keep in mind, I, I, I've worked 30 plus years as a self-employed person and the world management school and the world has taught us all along the way that you never talk about politics or religion when you're talking to clients. Well, I don't know if I consciously or subconsciously lived by that rule, but it, it just happened that I never really talked about religious or po- religion or politics. And so to my friends that knew me best, it just didn't come up. And that was the reason. So that's why most people would never think me as a politician or, or at least seeking that kind of title. Right. So anyway, uh, um, for those that don't know, I'm a Christian and I grew up in a Christian home and thought I was a Christian until about 15 years ago when the good Lord showed me that 
the way I was doing things wasn't really in his plan. And he was going to show me that I, I better straighten up or I don't know what would happen after that. Right. But basically, instead of serving myself, everything I did in my political, excuse me, in my business career was about how do I further Dave and how do I make some more money and advance my cause. He showed me that it's a very simple thing. If you love me, God, with all your heart and soul and put him first and then go out and love your neighbor, then the rest kind of takes care of itself. And so it seemed oversimplistic, but that's the truth. And so I really changed 15 years ago. And during the, the idea about running for Congress came about the servanthood piece of me leaving my business and volunteering to coach football at the high school, starting the small group, promote clay to help other people in clay County further their business. It just dovetailed. Right. And, um, small business, we'll get into some of this in a little bit, hopefully in a little bit more, but small business people are under attack, uh, especially now with this new regime. But I really felt as time developed, the call for me to run for Congress, I've never answered a call. You know, you hear people say I'm called to do things, but I have great empathy for the ancients of our Christian faith. You know, the people that were called to do things like Noah and Moses, and I'm not claiming to be those guys. It's just that it was heavy on my heart when that conversation started with my wife that night, we came home and had one of those dreams sit in the middle of the bed with our daughter and my wife and I, you know, what if till three o'clock in the morning conversations and finally said, look, let's go to bed. This is crazy. But I committed it to prayer that Lord, if you want me to do this, then you're going to have to put it on my heart and show me without a doubt. And by Christmas Eve in the, in the church parking lot, I was putting away the golf cart. I, I drove a golf cart at our church to help people in and out of the church right. for about five years. I looked up to the sky and said, okay, God, this is crazy. You're asking me to run for Congress with a wife and a household that is private. And, and I'm a private person, believe it or not, even though I do a lot of things out in the public. But if you want me to do this, I'm willing to do it, but you got to let me know somehow. And, and this sounds crazy, but the phrase, it wasn't verbal, but the phrase was, I got this. There's no stars or planets falling out of the sky. And your little thing that you're talking about doing, I got this. And so we made an announcement. Okay, we're doing it. So I think January 3rd, I got my letter from the state of Florida. And I think I was called to run. I don't, I don't know that I was supposed to win. Obviously, I didn't. But I was definitely called to run. And I think it was important for me to be a part of that. And we'll talk some more about that. But that's yeah, how it started. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, spoiler alert, if you didn't know, uh, <laughs> David didn't win. Uh, Kamak won, right? Um, <laughs> spoiler. You know, so if you, if you didn't know that news, then that's on you. It's been months and months, right? So um, so what did you learn from that? I'm curious, like what, you know, all that, you go through it, you run, you don't win. Like what were your, your takeaways from that experience? Great question again. So let me set the table. Remember I told you I've been coaching football three of the last four years with Fleming Island High School. Right and two years with Baker County some time ago. And so as a, as an athlete, as a player, and Josh, you look like you've been an athlete sometime in your life. Yeah. Um, long ago. Not, I'm, I'm way out of shape now, but uh, yeah, long ago. <laughs> well, <yep. laughs> the training table seems to keep going, but the, yeah. the training part doesn't. Yep. Anyway. So uh, as an athlete, you leave everything on the, on the field, you go, you prepare each week to win. Everything you do is built around winning, winning, winning. You leave it on the field as a coach you do the same thing. You prepare to win. You put your best team together and you put your best effort. But as a coach, you have a little bit of somewhat of a realistic view of your opponent. You know, if you, I don't want to make too many sports analogies, but the reality is nine out of 10 coaches, if you ask them to be honest, if they're going to win tonight, 
we hope we do. We're going to put the best effort forward, but you know, they can, they can kind of see the opponent field and say, you know, these guys are stacked against us and we got a good shot at, or maybe we're just going to hope we don't get blown out. You know, that's, that's the reality that happens. So I can honestly say I put, I, I game plan to win, but I knew that there were some players, you know, Kat Kamek, for example, had been running, running basically for office for eight years. I mean, let's not right. fool ourselves. Yep. Uh, Mr. Sapp had been doing this for two cycles. I think he had run against Mr. Yoho at one time and lost, obviously. And then, you know, he did his thing again. And then Mr. Rollins had obviously uh, demonstrated some political endeavors with the county commission and uh, school board. No, he wasn't school board. He was county commission. And he made no bones about being, you know, looking to to move further in his career. And, and that's fine. So I knew that there were some pretty good talent. Well, there were some pretty good people in the field that I had to run against. But my two takeaways was this. I wanted to ask the electorate if there was a true blue, honest engine candidate that truly understood what it meant to be a representative. You know, in my furniture days for 15 years, I was a manufacturer's rep, manufacturer's representative. I represented factories and sold them their furnishings to the marketplace in the state of Florida. It was my territory. In the financial services, I was a financial registered representative. So I represented financial vehicles and my clients. So I've been a rep for almost 30 years, you know, in in various different fields. So I understood firsthand what does it mean to be a representative? And that's, it's not my job to to dictate policy and to set, set policy as much as it is my job to listen to my clients' needs and concerns, my clients being my constituents. Right. And so... I knew up against whatever competition was out there that was formidable, but I wanted to find out if the electorate discovered such a person, you know, someone who was true blue, who was conservative, truly conservative and held those types of values and would truly represent them the way that that the founders framed it, that was supposed to be done. Could that story grow legs and could it, could it spread like wildfire? And then secondly, would you not have to spend $500,000 to run a campaign? Could that story grow some legs and build some momentum and make an impact? Well, the first answer is yes. People are interested in that type of candidate. And and they're very interested. They want a true conservative. Conservatives do anyway. They want a true conservative. They want someone who's going to best represent them and listen to their needs and concerns and, and, and conduct business that way. Right. But the second part is no, you can't do it without spending $500,000. Because I jokingly say, if it doesn't look like a duck and walk like a duck, it's not a duck. And so I have to tell you, there was a lot of emotions that went through the whole cycle. And at first I thought people were stupid. I'm going to, I'm just going to say it up front. I thought the constituents were idiots. And then I realized I said, Dave, stop. That's not the case at all. They're busy people. They have lives just like you and I do. And we can only, we can really only digest so much stuff, you know, so much information. And so if you're not in the first three to four people, then you're not a duck, you know, you're not going to make it. And so those things that elevate you to that level are the signs, you know, the signs on the side of the road, the signs in people's front yards are the mailers. I I somewhat disagree with some of the, are the robocall phone calls. I don't like those things at all, by the way. You know, are those imagery, because you're really selling a product just like anything else. It's a marketing campaign is what it is. And so 
you need to have not only a great message and a great candidate, but you need to have a marketing campaign that supports it. And so what I finally realized was the electorate in the third district is just so busy. And in that election, good God, with, you know, the Trump running and all the things that were going on, yeah. there was a lot of stuff on people's plates. And so I had phone calls the last, this is, this is really where I felt strong about the takeaway. And the last week, some of them in tears, Josh, this was amazing to me. Someone, someone would call me and say, oh my gosh, Mr. Theus, we are so sorry we didn't find you till now yeah. because we would have really worked hard for you once we found out who you were. And so it was really out of 10 candidates, if you think about it, they were sifting through the, the choices. They would get to whomever was their first you know, on the table with the most stack of mail on their dining room table. That's what a lot of people told me. They, they, they collected all those mail pieces and put them on their dining room table or in a box. And they sat down with their husband and wife and family said, well, what about this guy? Throw him out. What about that one? What about that one? And so forth. And I must've sifted all the way down to the bottom yeah. when they finally got, I had a guy call me the day before the election and say, Mr. Theus, can I have a sign? Cause I'll put it in my yard. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll meet you. I'll put a sign in the yard. So, so that was the takeaway. Could, could I do it? with the real knowledge of who I was as a true conservative and who would represent my constituents the way it's supposed to be done, would it grow legs? And could I not spend 500,000 bucks? Right. Yeah. Cause the deck stacked against you, right? The powers that be have spent hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars perfecting that system of, of grabbing people's attention, you know, for the top two or three candidates. So it's a, it's an uphill battle for sure. Um, but I, you know, for me, one of the positive things, you know, I don't think I would have run into you as quickly or as often if you weren't running. Right. Like, so for, for me personally, like now I know there's a guy in Clay County doing a bunch of things. Like I knew about some of your other endeavors, but I didn't know that it was you that was sort of spearheading some of that stuff. And, and we'll get to that in a minute, but I have one last question for you about this. Would you ever do it again? Is it a, it were, is it a one hit wonder for you or, or was there any <laughs> circumstance where you might jump back in? So a lot of my folks have told me, this is how it's done, Theus. You, you run and you lose the first one. And that gets you name recognition. That's probably what Mr. Sapp did. That was his thinking probably. Um, so funny you mentioned that. Just yesterday afternoon, I was having a conversation with my wife. We were traveling from somewhere to come home, I guess. And she threw out, she started the conversation again. And remember, this is the lady who said that she's very private and she knows the ramifications of that. But she, she told me at one time, look, if you can do this. She asked me, what is it you want to be? And I told her, I said, I want to be your congressman, honey. I, I want to do this. I can do the job. I can do the job. Yeah. And I can do it well. But she told me at that time, look, you can do it, but you're going to have to do it on your own. That, she just didn't think it was the time for our family to do that. And I kind of agree with that right now. So I'm going to give you kind of a mixed bag answer here. And I hope the, the folks listening can understand it. But she mentioned yesterday, she started the conversation again with some parameters. And so, yes, I would do it again is the short answer. But here's the deal. I, I'm not going to go out. I raised $16,222 last time. $16,222. Cat spent 600000 I believe. Yeah. The doctor that didn't win spent $900,000. Mr. Sapp probably spent close to $800,000, $800,000, which is absolutely crazy that someone would spend that much money. You got to ask yourself, why would they spend that much money to make $174,000 a year? Now, a finance guy, we can do some of that math, but yeah. there's something else is in, in store. Something else is in play. 
And so, yes, I would do it again, but there's got to be some support. And I can't go in a half cocked. It's going to be $250,000. I need a thousand people that's willing to donate 250 bucks. And then when the time comes, do, donate it again so we can get to 500,000 bucks. So right. yeah, I would do it again. Definitely. Huh. Okay. That's, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Right. Like, uh, and obviously, you know, situations change over time. So who knows? Right. But like, it's cool to hear, uh, you say uh, that even given the challenge of having to fight all that money, um, you know, and, and you talking about the, <laughs> why would they spend all that money to get the job that pays X dollar amount? That's a topic for a whole nother show, right? Like, let me just, let me just wrap this up with a bow. So we just yeah. don't leave it unhinged. Um, I'm 57. I, I, I kind of live my life a little bit backwards. Most people start a career and they accelerate through their career and they're, they're at the pinnacle of their career when they get to be about my age. During my 30s, when I was a furniture up, I, I made way more money than a 30-year-old should ever make. Okay? I traveled. I did all that stuff. I traveled to Canada, to my factories throughout the Midwest, the factories out to Reno, Nevada, the factories to Carolinas. My entire tour was the state of Florida, the entire state. So I kind of lived in reverse. So I've done the ladder climbing part. I'm not looking for another notch in my belt, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. I've done that. I've bought eight t-shirts and they're all hanging in my closet. I'm at a point now where God's grace has saved me and, and really turned me around to say that that's not important, Dave. The service unto others is the key. And that's serve me with your heart and soul, love me with all your heart and soul, and go love your neighbors. That's where I am. I, I get more out of serving my customers, and we're going to talk about that with Promote Clay in just a second, how that looks. But I get more from that, and that's the attitude I would bring to a congressional race, that this is truly a servant job. Right. This is not about climbing the next rung in the ladder, putting another notch in your belt, and then you know leveraging, leveraging your time in Congress to go out and build more momentum for a career, to, you know, to work on K Street, to be a consultant, to make more money. It's about serving these people in the third district. Right. So under that pretense, I would do it again. Okay, cool. And I'm glad to hear that people like you go through that process and want to do it again. So um, let's touch on, on you know, your local stuff because I'm sure, you know, <laughs> people don't find, you know, I'm sure people want to hear about more than just uh, congressional races, you know, yes. people are inundated <laughs> with all sorts of political news at the yeah. national level all the time. So let's talk a little bit about Promote Clay. I'll just sort of give you the floor. I know what it is, but I don't want to preface it. I, I want people to hear from you. What is Promote Clay and, and why do you feel like it's an important thing? Okay, so in my last second part of my career as a financial advisor, I worked in an agency in an office over in St. John's Bluff and Beach Boulevard. So if anyone knows where that is, and I live in Clay County, that means I have to go across the Buckman. Oh, God. And yeah. the Buckman's a beautiful architectural specimen, but it's a pain in the, uh, pain in the bottom, excuse me, right. to drive across in the morning if there's an accident or a draining or what have you. So... When my wife said for me to come home and spend more time with my daughter, I, I, I was just blessed and tickled because I didn't have to go across the Buckman anymore. Yes, the Buckman's And awful. so what I learned was there's plenty of business here in Clay County, and I love Clay County. I love Clay County. It's just in all the years since I've been in Jacksonville, since 1990, it truly is the first time that I felt like home. Yeah. You know, I was one of those kids that grew up. I was born and raised on one street. And I grew up in the same neighborhood. And we played with the same kids on a cul-de-sac and lived on the lake. 
and it was home. And, and I just, once I got moved away as an adult, I never had that experience again until I moved to Clay County. And right. so I felt like it was important to not only embrace that, but give back to it. And so I wanted to, to identify some small business owners throughout the county. And I wanted to share with them my philosophy about building business based on relationships, because anybody can do what we do. There's, you know, I tell people there's a lot of Tom, Dick and Harry's that do what you do, but our customers ultimately buy us as individuals. Yep. And, and you, you and I may not click or we might, but someone else that does what I do or you do, you get the idea. So yep. we, we buy each other. So we started promote clay. And so I hate the word networking group, but that's kind of, that's part of what we do. But the real emphasis is I design mediums or venues and vignettes where people can carve out time in their schedule to meet with one another and start investing that time to start building those relationships. Because I have this theory, if you're going to do, do business with someone, there's this emotional transfer. When I listen to you, let's say I'm talking to you, Josh, and, and you're telling me your story. If I'm intently listening to you, there's an emotional transfer called uh, empathy. And you see it and I see it. I don't know how it happens, but it transfers and you pick it up and you say, man, this guy, he gets me. He understands my problem. He understands why I'm celebrating because he's listening. And when that transfer happens, the next emotional transfer is trust. You start to trust me because you're saying, you know, Dave, he really took the time to listen to me and he's, he gets it, you know? And so when trust happens, it friendships begin. Right. And with friendships and that trust factor and empathy, business begets business. And that's how those things start to happen, but they don't happen overnight. You can't stand up at a networking meeting with some guy on the bell telling you got a minute to tell somebody what you do. And that relationship is going to happen. It doesn't happen that way. It has, it takes time. Yep. And so that's what we do at promote clay. We have about 90 clients and in, in throughout clay County, I'm a nationalist. I draw a fence, a, a border wall around clay County. I don't accept money from anybody out in Jacksonville or Ponte Vedra beach or wherever. Oh, okay. You have to be a, a clay County based business or a professional who resides in clay County. And we want to do business with people right here in the county. Um, and that's how it started. And so what happened was there were two questions that came to me from all my clientele, from even back in the furniture days and also in the uh, insurance and investment days. And those are, how do I get new prospects? That's question number one. Dave, help me get new prospects. So Promote Clay is part of that. There's some things that we do inside that that help formulate some prospecting. And then the second thing is, how do I get people to work for me? And especially in today's world, we're seeing that there's such a work shortage. Well, that's a, maybe another podcast. But, <laughs> right. Um, how do I find viable candidates to work for me? And so there's two questions that we address in Promote Clay and Employ Clay. And the last piece actually happened because of my campaign experience. Um, I've got several clients that are restaurateurs, Just a Pinch Cafe and Catering, Magnolia Point Golf and Country Club, The Corner Pocket. Oh, the list goes on. I'm going to get in trouble because I didn't list them all. But go to Clay Eats or go to employee. <laughs> we'll, we'll put a list together. Yeah, yeah. We can um, sure. And those people couldn't come to our meetings because they were running restaurants. And so when I was out on the campaign trail in Gainesville, of all places, uh, this was during the height of COVID. And there were, there were Facebook pages that were promoting who was doing business with takeout, curbside business, and that sort of thing with restaurants. And Gainesville Chamber of Commerce, I have to give them credit. They put together a great, a great group. And I, I used it during the campaign. I asked them, where can I find a greasy spoon restaurant for breakfast? Because I knew that's where probably conservatives would hang out. 
and I got 70 responses. So I came home and said, let's put a page together, a group together. We'll call it Clay Eats, okay? And it would be a chance for us to help promote our local restaurants that were having struggles because of COVID. And if you don't know, I put all my words together. So promote Clay is one word, registered trademark, by the way. Uh, Clay Eats is one word together and employ Clay, all registered trademarks. Nice. And so um, I feel like Trump saying that trademark, trademark. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, the, the point is not to enrich Dave, but to, to build a brand that we can use so that our customers would identify with it and see that that's what's going on. Um, but Clay Eats uh, has turned out to be some whiz bang. It's a cool thing, man. We're up, we're almost 4,000 members in this group. And it's really about, um, well, we'll leave it there. Let me ask, let's see if you want to ask me a question. So we've got Promote Clay, which is a group of small business owners and local professionals who gather on a weekly basis on Thursdays, and we get together to build working, intentional, professional relationships so we can further our businesses. Employ Clay is a total free site. Any employer or employee seeking the job can sign up for it on Facebook, and that's to help Clay County folks find work and employers to find the candidates. And Clay Eats is for us foodies, me included, yeah, me too. who love to go out and take pictures of their food, to take pictures of a restaurant they've discovered, either new to them, or they just find they love going to, and share their experience. And the key to that is I take a little bit different spin on Clay Eats. Instead of going out and bashing restaurants that are doing a bad job, my whole goal is to promote those restaurants that are meeting and or exceeding our expectations. Right. And that's what Clay Eats is. Yeah, so promote clay is cool to me. I, I am not a you know I'm not one of your your clients there. But what I like about what you do there is with the promote clay Facebook page, a lot of your stuff is public. So people that that aren't necessarily coming to the events or like paying to be part of the the things, they can still you give people a taste of of the 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 benefit of being a part of that group. And I know you do a lot of Facebook Live things there where you're talking through like some of the stuff that's going on. So that's pretty cool. So I would encourage anybody listening to this to check that out. Find that Facebook page, promote Clay All One Word. Um, I gotta say though, Clay Eats is my favorite. You know, the the uh, the fat guy in me loves Clay Eats. I came in, you know, after shortly after it was formed. I want to say there was a couple hundred people maybe in there, and now it's just skyrocketed. You know, into the thousands. Uh, you know, people in that uh, in that Facebook group, and and it's pretty cool. People do get a little bit confused about it though. People are are very used to just being able to. Uh, you know, as I lovingly put it, be jerky idiots online about anything that they have a bad experience with. What I actually like about Clay Eats, what I think is the thing that makes it stand out is that uh, it is about people coming and saying like, hey, I went to this place and it was amazing or it was great. You should check it out. Or here's a new thing, you know, that this place is offering. And I think to me, what's cool is, is when you look there through there, you see all of the, the local restaurants that are excelling. But in you can also sort of get the vibe of the flip side. If you know of a restaurant, uh, you know, that you've been driving past thinking about checking out and you go on Clay Eats and, and none of the thousands of people have ever said that they had a wonderful experience there makes you think a little bit, right? Like makes you wonder, like, is it, you know, sort of the, it, it's sort of a addition by subtraction, I guess uh, you could say. Um, and, and what was cool, it, it was very helpful to me last year when things shut down. 
um, you know, when uh, our, our governor, who who loves to pretend like he didn't shut the state down, but did shut things down, um, shut the restaurants down. Clay Eats was a very useful tool because people were in there sharing information like, hey, this place is open for pickup. This place is doing delivery via DoorDash. This place is doing whatever. So uh, Clay Eats is cool. And, and <clears throat> you know, I discovered a lot of uh, restaurants in there that uh, that I didn't even know existed, honestly, in the county. Because, you know, I think everybody, you know, I'm like you for my real job. I drive across the Buckman when, when my back when my office was open. It's not open. hasn't been open for a year now. Um, but you get so conditioned to driving down a road mm-hmm. and not paying attention to what's around you. Uh, you know, and Clay Eats is cool to me because you get to discover new stuff and it's such a positive uh, to me, it's a positive vibe, except when the occasional person who, uh, you know, wants to complain doesn't really get to complain, and, and people get a little frustrated there. But, uh, but I think most people sort of work out in in pretty short order that it, it's it's there to promote the good things that are happening. And and for me, you know, in my book, a little positivity is a good thing. Yeah. So it is a different twist, and what I've learned. Uh, maybe maybe this whole experience about you know the running for Congress and the and doing promote clay and having a social media platform is 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 training for the future. I don't know, but because right. uh, you see all kinds of stuff on social media when you run a page or a group, yeah. But it is reverse. I it's it's reverse, it's reverse psychology or reverse Polish. I don't know if that's something you can say anymore. But the the new, the normal temptation for Facebook and Twitter especially is to have an experience and then. I don't know if I can say this on your podcast, but then to bitch and moan about it. Yeah. You know, it's yep. to get around the water cooler and just raise total unmitigated crap. Yeah. Well, there's enough of that, you know? And so I wanted to, the, the restaurants are having a hard time, man. These people are business owners. These are your neighbors that own these things. And so what if you just basically found those who were meeting and or exceeding your expectation and you talked about just those guys. Now, I've had people come on and go, well, I don't know. This is a site for wonders and cucumbers and unicorns and lollipops. That's not fair. It's my moral obligation to tell you that this place right. is doing something bad. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's kind of like if you don't like what's on TV, change the channel. You know, go somewhere else. And so I really felt it was important because of who I am now. And, and trust me, I was a card-carrying son of a gun before <laughs> now right. i believe who i am it's important for us to be positive and the world could you know i'm not all unicorns and lollipops i can get down and dirty with you but these are people's livelihoods you're talking about right so here's our here's our mantra if you have a problem and we know that business owners are people too i'm one of those people and we have bad days and sometimes a server that works for me could be pissed off at me because i told him to go to work and he's going to misrepresent my mission to the customer. He's going to give bad service or I don't know, maybe she's having a bad day. So if you're having a problem, what I like to do is address it in what I call real time with the owner or the manager and say politely, not throw the steak at the window and say, listen, this isn't what I ordered or it's not really cooked to my expectation. I would rather you do that in real time. But what I've discovered, Josh, and I'm going to just be point blank because I can do this. People are scared. Yeah. People are kind of wusses about it. They'd rather run to their phone, get in their car, or secretly under the table, bash the place yeah. via Facebook. Than and, address sometimes, the- and sometimes the people are, their complaints aren't really valid. Like sometimes, you know, people are mad over a thing that, that they don't really have a right to be mad about. You know, working yeah. in the customer service industry for as long as I did, 
Um, you know, I'll tell you right now, people sometimes just straight up lie. They're, they're trying to get something for free or they're, they're trying to work their right. own angle. And I'm not saying everybody that has a complaint is doing yeah. that, but, but there's nothing that's going to happen in your Facebook group or any other Facebook group that is going to solve a problem that someone had with when they went and sat down in a restaurant and had a bad experience. And, and, yeah. and, I, and all my, all my clients and, and none of the, you know, not all those people on clay eats are clients, by the way. Um, they're, they'll tell me over and over again, look, Mr. Theus, we would rather have you tell me if you had a bad experience or even a half bad experience, tell me so I can fix it. So yep. I can fix it for you and fix it for the next guy so I can better my business. And that's what we're trying to do. Yep. And then celebrate those who are, who are hitting it out of the park. Like you said, at some point you're going to be able to say, wait, how come this place has never gets written about? Well, I don't know. Now I don't, last thing about this, I don't have any, I'm not out to, to expose the bad guy. First of all, I'm out to expose the good guy doing his work, but I want to challenge the guy who's not getting talked about to work on his, on his deal, make it a better plan, make it a better service proposition, make it a better value proposition to the customer. Yep. And then people find you and start talking about you. Yeah. So I think there's a good thing that's going to come from it as well. And I think, you know, in my experience, I think if most people would give the, the small medium sized businesses a chance to sort of correct uh, and change course when there's an experience. I'll give you a quick example. Um, a couple weeks ago, my daughter, uh, I've turned her into a hockey fan. I'm a big hockey fan. We've gone to a couple <laughs> of Jacksonville Iceman games. Her birthday was coming up. She's like, Daddy, I want to go to a hockey game. All right, all right, cool. We get some hockey tickets. Uh, we have maybe the worst experience I've ever had at any sporting event trying to just buy some ice cream, right? We ate dinner before yeah. we went. All we wanted was some ice cream. Um, so they, you get in one line, and then you get to the counter, and they're like, we don't have any ice cream. You have to download the app app doesn't sell ice cream, right? So they get you in wow. this other line. We're missing, we missed the entire second period of the game, just waiting in the line to buy the ice cream to get in and then get in another line to actually have them serve you the ice cream. We oh, get wow. to the ice cream stand. Now we're like 35, 40 minutes into this endeavor to get ice cream. Um, and they have no spoons. Like the concession stand has no spoons. And the lady looks at me like I'm the one that has lost my mind when she hands me a fork and says, here, here you go, eat it with this. And I'm just like, what is happening? So like I'm looking around and I, I see a guy for the Iceman, uh, you know, the, and the Iceman don't run the concession stands. But right, like, right. you know, I start telling him, I was like, listen, dude, like I've been to a lot of sporting events, like a lot, like some very highbrow stuff, very like, you know, it was cheapest ticket you could get in the door sort of stuff. And I have never had experience like this. And to their credit, the ice, the guy, I thought the guy was just going to be like, oh, okay, sir, we'll take it under advisement. He gives me his card. Um, and, and, and says, Hey, shoot me an email. We'll get you taken care of. We hate that your daughter had bad experience. Cause like at this point she's upset, she's missing the hockey game, but she wants her ice cream, you know, and mm -hmm. all it took was me just going up to somebody constructively and saying like, can I give you a little bit of feedback and tell you why this isn't good. Yeah. And, and you know, that to their credit, like they gave us free tickets and like vouchers for food for another game. Like, and I'm not saying that every restaurant is going to, you know, give you a, you know, right. a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff or whatever. But I think if you give people, I think the, the overarching lesson to sort of put a bow on it, as you said before, is if you give business owners a chance to correct something that didn't go right, I think by and large, they're going to do that. Like they'll, they'll take care of the people that come to them in a constructive way and say, Hey, you know, my experience wasn't very good, you know? So here's a crazy idea. Treat others like you want to be treated. Hey, how, well. you know, how simple is that? Right? Like instead of going and <laughs> screaming at people, just talk to them and say, listen, I got to hey. tell you, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed and let me tell you why. Like, and that, you know, so yeah. What so, do you know? So trust me, I, 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 as I said, there's another word for it, card carrying son of a gun, but there's, you can implant a couple of words there, but right. I, I get the pound of flesh. I get, I got to get mine. Uh, I understand that, but that's, 
that doesn't accomplish much. Yeah, and I think you and I, you know, you know I'm, you know, I'm a Christian also, attend a Baptist church here in uh, Clay County, and and I I have over the last few years really started to look at like you know how my how I interact with people, right? Like, what's my end goal? Is my end goal to just win and make them feel bad, or is my right. end goal to have some sort of a productive conversation and and you know treat them the way you know that I feel like God treats me when I do things I shouldn't do, or, or you know, or, or I mess yeah. up and make a mistake, right? Like, so I have a joke, a running joke. It's uh, when. <laughs> And trust me, there there are times when I want. I'm six four, three hundred pounds. Uh, I'm I'm a lover, not a fighter. But there was a time when, if you crossed me, um, you know, I love pancakes and offensive line blocking. Right. I would put you on your back and then rub on you a little bit too. So, I, I don't live that life anymore because I physically can't do it. And someone would shoot you probably be too much. But I have a, a running joke that says, when I want my pound of flesh, I, I get ready to do it. And God's grace gets in the way. Yep. And he really does. It, it really has that part. I, I, I don't t- say this to people to try to convert them to Christianity. I tell people this because it, it is my faith. And unlike before, I was told never to talk about religion, politics. And, and he did a pretty amazing thing to me, you know, saved my life and gave me a new outlook on life. So I'm going to talk about it now. I'm going to be bold and fresh with it. And I'm not afraid of it. But God's grace gets in the way because he says, you know, don't be an asshole, Dave, you know, don't right. be a jerk. And, and sometimes I want that pound of flesh. Yeah. I want to get on there and tell somebody the what for, but that doesn't really help anybody. It doesn't help them and it doesn't ultimately help me or the cause. Yep. Yep. So, you yeah, got to remember that every person you meet is created in the image of God, just like you are. And, and, you know, God right. loves them just as much as he loves you, even, even when they're not being very nice to you. Right. So, um, and, what's and we the- would be a much better place if we adopted some of that in our, in our circles. Oh, and it's so hard though. Everybody, you know, everybody, yeah, we could, that's a whole nother episode. I think almost yeah, there, man. like the psychology of why <laughs> people are so like on edge and everybody instantly, you know, you know, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it's hard, it's a hard, and I, listen, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying yeah. I do it all the time, but you know, I, I have found such success in, in, in my business and personal life when I refuse to go to every, every fight I'm invited to. Right. That's like right. I, That's I don't, exactly I don't have right. to, I don't have to go to every, every, every conflict that someone wants to draw me into, you know, I don't have to attend it. Um, so what's on the horizon for you? I know you've got a podcast that, that you're spinning up that that's, that's up and going. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I do. Thank you. Um, it's called free coffee. And I try to come up with names that are short and digestible because we're all on a busy pace, but free. First of all, I love coffee. Uh, I drink, I tell my folks, I drink about a, a half a pot myself or, or maybe a pot every morning, but it's the juice that keeps me moving. Um, so there was a book called in search of excellence in 1982. I was a college student in 1981 through well, a long time. Uh, <laughs> so there was a book that came out by Tom Peters and, um, his first name, I forget, but Mr. Waterman Jr. Is, uh, Mr. Waterman, basically there were two authors. And Tom Peters wrote this book called In Search of Excellence. And he did a PBS. He sold it to PBS. And they went around the country interviewing companies that were doing it right. And one of the interviews he did was with Steve Jobs when, when, I, tell, when I say that when Apple was a peach, you know, so it was the very beginning of Jobs and in, in that early time frame. And so what Tom Peters wanted to do was discover uh, not only that they weren't necessarily the most financially profitable companies, but he wanted to find out what we call an ethos, a workspace. Why, what were they doing? The employees were happy to be there. They were happy to go to work and get things done. And they were good cultures and, and, and just really great American companies that were doing it right. 
And so it became kind of a Bible for, for it was leadership before leadership was cool back in the eighties. And uh, it sold just a ton of books and it became a philosophy for a while in search of excellence. And so I'm dating myself with 1982 <laughs> being in college, but the reality is it shaped who I was as a business person. It really shaped, I came to the table as a young person fascinated by why people do what they did. I couldn't wait to meet complete strangers and say, what do you do for work? And how did you get excited about doing that job? And what led you to do that? And why, you know, was it, what was it? What was the dynamic that got you where you are? And so I didn't realize it until this, you know, everything we do in life is a culminating experiences, culmination of experiences. And it's really come crystal clear in the last couple of years that I'm fascinated by this type of, of discussion as why people do what they do. Right. And so free coffee is kind of a play on words. There's, there's, a, um, there's no free lunch and there's no free coffee. And, and it's, a, it's a economic discussion. You know, if you don't know this, in the, in the 19th century, um, there used to be uh, saloons would advertise free lunch with the purchase of a drink. And so the, the intrinsic cost was there was no free lunch because you had to pay for a drink, right? Right. Well, then the 19, late 30s and 40s, the, the American diner came on the scene and the joke was free coffee or bottomless cup. But there was no free coffee or bottomless cup because you had to buy a meal. You know, you had to buy breakfast. So it's interesting how that we went from selling liquor in saloons and giving away lunches to selling breakfast and giving away coffee. So that, that's the play on free coffee. There, right. there is no free lunch. Uh, or free coffee for that matter. So there's some expense, intrinsic expense of doing business. And so I'm a staunch advocate of small business owners. I'm a staunch advocate for free enterprise systems and free markets. And I believe in limited government and all those things are surrounded uh, and make what small business owners do best. And I believe small business owners are the last of the pioneers that we were around during the wild west. We'd be the guys on the, on the carts heading out to St. Louis or heading out to the west to discover the new land. And small business owners are basically under attack. And I don't want to get into a whole other podcast, but I'll give you just a brief thing for our listeners to think about. You know, we hear about the new unemployment uh, benefit that's been available to our folks because of COVID. And now the Democratic Party is thinking about extending it to permanence. And folks, this is not to help people. But if you haven't realized it, you, when you go to a restaurant or other small businesses, they're having difficulty providing their service because they can't staff their people it's actually more profitable or right on the thin line of, of, of measurement for a guy or gal that works for that lower wage to stay home and collect unemployment than it is to say no to it and go to work. Right. And so have patience with our restaurants and our small business owners locally because our government is slow walking these people out of business under the guise of benefit to help our people because of COVID, which right. is BS. And so our government, this liberal regime that we're under now is about control and it's about they can't control the small business owner because you and I go out and kill it every day and bring it home and they don't have a way to control that unless they put us out of business and that's the way they do it so yeah. don't be fooled that's what's happening and that's what free coffee is about to interview those types of people that started their business and and took a, a wild chance to go out on their own and what motivated them who they are what they do and why oh, is what cool. we talk about on free coffee yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, so where can people find that? Is it on like the Apple podcast app or are you doing that on YouTube? Like what's your venue? So it's not on Apple because I don't like Apple. Okay. And, uh, all right. Oh, <laughs> that you sounds... have to have an Apple to get on the Apple podcast. So right. uh, we're on Spotify. 
We're on, okay. we, we record on Spreaker, which is kind of a hub of a wheel if you know much about podcasting, yep. but yeah. there's there's the hub and then there's distribution. Spreaker is a distributor as well, but yep. uh, Spotify, most people know Spotify. Yep. We're on iHeartRadio, um, the big ones. Okay. Uh, I think we're on Google Podcast as well, but not not Apple. Okay. And All it's right. free coffee. It's it's a yellow background with a cup of coffee and it says free coffee. And so you have to, you know, we, we don't have a tremendous amount of following, but we're growing and just like podcasting, you just got to keep doing it. All right, cool. Well, in the show notes uh, for this one, I'll, I will uh, include a link to uh, yeah, do the Spotify link. That'd yeah, be great. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool, man. Anything else coming up on the horizon you want people to be aware of? Well, we have an exciting, uh, I won't give it away total, but watch Clay Eats. If you haven't found us on Clay Eats, go to Facebook and type in Clay Eats. It's an open group. You can join it. If you don't meet the criteria to join without me, I'll probably approve you. Um, so watch Clay Eats. We have a big announcement coming up for that. It's going to be pretty exciting, I think. And the podcast, thank you very much for bringing that up. Um, we are going to, I'll save that information for maybe another conversation. We have some things with Promote Clay. We are going to expand the concept. And so part of the, part of the takeaway from my race basically was I got to travel to six counties and I literally met 9,600 people during that time frame. And so I don't like losing relationships and, and contacts. So we're going to expand the Promote Clay model, if you will, to an organization called North Central Florida Business Alliance. And it's very infant right now, so it's not a, it's not a deal breaker. But basically, we're going to take our message and the things we do with Promote Clay and expand into five counties, Alachua, Bradford, Clay, Putnam, and Union counties. Oh, nice. Alachua, Bradford, Clay, Putnam, and Union counties. And so it's just another way of us building relationships with people that live 45 minutes to an hour and a half away from us and conducting business North central Florida business Alliance. Awesome, man. That, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see uh, the success you've had in Clay County expand out and help, help small businesses elsewhere too. So that's pretty neat, man. Um, well, cool. I, you know, once again, as I tell everybody that comes on, like, I appreciate you making time for me. I know people's uh, schedules are hectic. Um, uh, folks, if you're listening, I, I'm telling you, get in there, Clay Eats, promote Clay, check these things out. It, it's cool stuff. Nobody else is doing the sort of stuff that David Theus is doing uh, online for small businesses in Clay County. So I would encourage everybody to check it out uh, and check out his podcast, uh, Free Coffee on Spotify. Uh, David, once again, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you, Josh, so much. This is a pleasure.